0: Welcome to the Livecast Construction Experience Podcast. I'm Kieran Brennan, co-founder of Livecast.com. Finally, the construction sector has entered its digital transformation, meaning the way we operate our projects and businesses day to day is being disrupted. This podcast is designed to help you in all areas of your business. We do this by bringing in experts across all key areas of a construction business who share their stories, their challenges, wins and losses so others can learn from their experiences. To watch previous episodes, please visit livecost.com or search livecost.com across all popular social platforms. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You're very welcome. Today, we're joined by Shane Dempsey, Director of Communications for the CAF, to talk through what does level three, four, or five restrictions mean for a construction company. I suppose this all started on Sunday night. Sunday the fourth, when I suppose the nation got rocked a little bit when nefford made recommendations to government that we should go to level five of the living with COVID plan. I suppose the question was, were you ready? Had that been enforced? But it's a lesson, I suppose, that created a question for business owners and operators, and like, are we fully prepared for level three, four, or five government restrictions? And what do these restrictions actually mean to our projects? So, firstly, Shane, thank you very much for your time. Um,
1: you're very welcome. Pleasure, Kieran. Thanks for having me. We
0: last talked actually in mid April when we were sort of in mid lockdown. You came in and you gave us uh, some great tips, and that was all about getting back to work. I suppose we haven't spoken since then. Fortunately, personally,
1: how are you getting on? Great. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, it's busy. Uh, Sunday night was a bit of a disaster. Uh, Personally, no, not personally, but I was very busy from Sunday night on and Monday morning. Yeah. As you can imagine, getting lots of calls. Um, but generally, it's been very positive on sites uh, and I can't. You know, I can't go into the exact figures from the HSE, but our incident rate is um, absolutely negligible, even though you'll see it in the paper when there's an outbreak. That's the same in any sector. But yeah. our incident rate is negligible and the number of people affected uh, on site with COVID um, uh Uh, is is absolutely negligible compared to the 150,000 people um, actually operating in the industry. So uh, behind the scenes and within the government structure and apparatus, there's an acknowledgement that the guys on sites and the companies they work for have done a huge amount of work and continue to do so. And, you know, most of the, when we talked last, it was, um, how do you you know, we were worrying about COVID spreading on sites. Yeah. Now we're worrying about stopping COVID coming onto sites. And the evidence would indicate that we're doing a very good job at that. And even when there is an incident on site, we're locking it down really effectively. So the, the guys out there working and the companies who are really insisting on the SOP, they're doing a service to their employees, to their families, they're doing a service to the wider community and to the nation and to the economy every week they work uh actually it s- starts to um rev- generate revenue for the exchequer so been, so like yeah it, the, it the has, guys yeah it's it been has. brilliant watching that like you know we um i mean it, w- it was sort of
0: late april when, when when we spoke and i suppose if you look at this in a phased approach we had like i think around Paddy's Day, somewhere around there, we I think everyone felt this could be really serious. And then we had March 28th was a shutdown, And then sorry, we had between then and I think it was May 18th when we had full lockdown. And then May 18th was, let's get back to work. And now we have Sunday the 4th, which I think is another milestone where we say, actually, we're not okay. This could actually go, go right back to March 28th. So, I suppose since we last spoke and since if we look at this sort of back to work May eighteen, getting projects moving again, um, back to work safely, how, how, how how's that been? Um, what's the general outlook there? What, are, what, what sort of results are you seeing? I mean, you're saying infection rates are, are minimal, which is brilliant, but what, what, what else have you seen out there?
1: we've um we're in contact with uh with the hse and a specific steering committee set up for industries to monitor industries as a result of you know the meat industry issues and nursing homes so we we we're sitting in on that and the the feedback the statistical feedback is is very positive um in terms of the numbers of incidents so uh uh, sunday night was an eye-opener and a bit of a a bit of a, an epiphany for everybody, and you know, the people texting me and calling me, and from our industry and other industries at this stage, because we're kind of recognized as having led the way in a way. Um, uh, it was kind of an eye opener for people that if we move to level four, we are back at March 28th essentially, you know, so it is an effective shutdown of industry now. Um, we have been working for the last month because we foresaw this coming when we saw the plan originally we went straight to at what point does the industry need to shut down or would, would it be shut down to our interpretation to the very very strict interpretation that the boys and the companies working on site and their clients would have to adopt we we saw status uh, level 3 as status quo construction sites keep open people can travel to work. level four only designated workers which in the previous shutdown we weren't construction workers weren't and you know level five essential services only and we weren't considered essential leader at that point, you know, on March 28th. Now, if you remember correctly, um, they announced the shutdown. It was very Neffet driven at the time. It was very health policy driven. All the politicians were working, you know, off that basis and that they were leading. Uh, so NefID called the shutdown. Uh, or gave the opinion and Simon Harris called the shutdown and then the industry had to shut down and then it took a day or two for them to come out and clarify what businesses could and couldn't open. And and, uh, our interpretation at that stage was, it's not all construction. If you remember then we, uh, and I think I was fairly accurate in my prediction, we'd be six weeks in a pure shutdown. And that's as it came to pass. But at that point, Leo Veradkar announced that, you know, of course construction can open again. And then we had a whole debacle about indoor outdoor, which was totally academic. And we chose to just push on and not ignore that unworkable classification of construction, and, you know, and guys got back on site. So so, so, uh, what we have been trying to do, I suppose, and this is important to the people prepping out there and, you know, scheduling work and ordering materials and even asking, you know, workers to come back and self-isolate for two weeks. We have been working tirelessly for the last two or three weeks to make sure that the construction industry is designated as essential so that it can operate at level four and five The soundings we're getting from the senior civil service group that Martin Fraser is the head of are very positive. There's an acknowledgement we're able to operate safely. Um, But that thing that everybody needs, which is absolute clarity, is not forthcoming yet. We're in contact with them every day. The minute we hear, we'll let you know kind of thing, you know? And is, is there a
0: clear definition as to what construction projects are deemed essential?
1: uh the the uh, uh, the previous list uh the previous definition was any construction that uh supports global networks data centers you know medical health pharma that kind of stuff right but like the the big elephant in the room is none of this is Definitive. None of this is legal. None of this is taught. Is you know specific and defined, and that was the real lesson for us from the last time. Uh, there was enough wiggle room to for the industry to stay open the last time, and that's how the government designed the statement. So they're ambiguous and all of that kind of stuff, and we can use our judgment and deem what's appropriate. But for the industry itself and its clients, that ambiguity is is just it's a killer because faced yeah. with that. It contractually, logistically, from a safety point of view, from an insurance point of view, you just cannot operate on that basis, so we push that message to everyone who listen within the government to say, we're just saying now if you move to level four and we don't get specifics um, uh, we'll we'll be forced into you know a radical reduction in the amount of activity that's going on, and that's bad for everybody because we're one of the only domestic sectors that's operating you know at anywhere near capacity at the moment Yeah.
0: And I suppose let's let's try and break this this down. Like the majority of Ireland went from two to three restrictions. What changes does that make, if
1: any, to projects? Uh, None as far as we're concerned. So projects that remain open uh, and people can travel to work because you're allowed to uh, move move, uh, counties and travel from Dublin to Cork or Limerick or whatever it is to, to work, right? So... Um, it, what it does do is it puts a lot of pressure on those people who are working on projects that are on to really follow the SOP. So I'm part of political broadcasts, like guys, like, the, the more you adhere to that, the bigger the impact on the community in terms of safety, but the more likely we are to not have to move into lockdown level four. Like, not only are you now kind of working to keep your own livelihood going, you're actually we're such a big industry that we could demographically impact whether we go to level four or epidemiologically go to level four so there's an added onus on you now sorry to to really adhere to that sop for the sake of your industry etc etc so so there's no material uh difference apart from the moral per, uh requirements and you know economic requirements to really do things and if that means slowing down a bit and you know social distancing and dealing with that kind of logistical do it, and and tell the guys not to be uh, 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 grouping together at lunchtime outside Spar, and you know traveling in together, and it, without the proper social distancing within the within the vehicles and all that. Like all of that stuff now has to be totally refocused on. But um, so so that's that's the only kind of change that it becomes even more important. So we don't go to level four because currently that equates to a shutdown so
0: so in in, in terms of shutdown then i mean there's a lot of talk that it's inevitable that we will hit level four what does that mean is it are we from the cis perspective is that a full shutdown
1: from from as it currently stands as as we can interpret it you know based on what the government are saying if we move to level four you know the classification of the designated worker that was previously in situ will will be used. As, that's all we can assume. And in that case, construction workers are not deemed essential. So the only construction work that could validly continue is the facilities management on Intel and, you know, uh, Amazon and those large data centers. And, and, uh, and, and you saw how, you know, you saw how minimal that was. We saw the whole industry kind of lose 35%, 40% of its activity levels when the shutdown happened. Um, So, uh, so, so it's, it's a fairly level four is a tough, it's a tough situation. Like it is effectively a shutdown, you know, like housing residential in the previous definition, um, uh, wasn't, wasn't essential deemed essential and the construction workers weren't deemed, you know, designated essential workers. So it, it as currently as it stands it, we we think it would have to stop so that's why we're saying to the government uh, every minute that we get through every contact guys if you don't give us the definition or assign us essential we, we can't operate safely in all good conscience so what i suppose what you know if we can try and get as practical as, as, as we can
0: look like if, if i'm a business owner what could I do to prepare for these further restrictions, or even, as we say, a full lockdown?
1: It's a, it's a tough one to prepare for, like you, in um, any influence you might have at a local level in terms of the political system. Uh, if you reflected the message that we need clarity, we need certainty, et cetera, et cetera, that that will help. And it's worth the effort in terms of keeping the industry open. Uh, The preparation, you know, the key thing the Joe Schmidt control the controllables kind of thing is make sure that now as we speak, that you're you're at level three, your employees are adhering to the SOP to the nth degree, right? Uh, We've been saying to our members, in any meetings over the last while, that uh, it's now gone beyond just your uh, the you're a business and you have employees or subcontractors. It, it, you know, make sure they behave on site or adhere to the SOP. We're saying you as influencers of your employees and subcontractors need to get the message to them that when they leave the site and they go home into the community, they still have to adhere to the, the uh, guidelines, you know, to the HSC guidelines, yeah. because if, if whatever now shut down and we get a, a too many clusters or too much of an incident, you can see what will happen. The health people will say, um, the construction industry can't operate safely, you know. So, and and that's even more likely as other sectors sit, shut down and the community thing spreads. It's more likely that guys are going to come in. So, it, nobody wants to be preaching or. You know, telling employees how to behave after, but yeah, ha- we have we have we have to do everything we can. Um, the benefit is that you're actually, if you are getting true to employees about how they operate at home, how they adhere to the social distancing outside, work, um, you're benefiting your business, them, their communities, etc. So look, it's 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 just in exceptional times, you you have to take exceptional steps. You know, the the SLP that standard
0: operating procedures document that you guys drew up was was brilliant at the time gave a lot of guidance to to a lot of companies um is that what we're saying is that our bible going forward but
1: whether we're a small company big company
0: this is what we should be following
1: that's the bible yeah that's the bible um it's been updated four or five times now at this stage it's now got a behavioral element which i think we'll talk about later on it's got advice on messaging it's got it's got all the latest um definitive interpretation of the hse and effort guidelines but it's also starting to get you know bits of advice and best practice in it as well so you can you can you can pick it can, you have to follow the guidelines yeah. in but there are additional bits that you can choose to use there. So are uh, all—it's all on the website. The back-to-work resource pack is there, which gives you a checklist to start uh, to start working on how to operate, which is still valid. So do log onto the site; it's free to anybody, whether you're a member or not. Not a member? We don't—we don't care on this one at all. The induction program, which I think we were uh, we were setting up when we talked last, yeah. um, was. Uh, by or it's it's still operating it's still going but it's been completed by over 200,000 people now we clock the industry as having by the CSO uh, statistics 147,000 people so there's obviously loads of suppliers there's lots of other industries using the induction as well just um, uh, people doing it a number of times I'm sure there's people coming in from overseas so look go do the induction guys as well that's kind of how and so look over the last couple of weeks there'll be fatigue uh, what we're hearing is there's fatigue coming in and, and like uh, behavioral scientists will say this as well you know you, you keep your message consistent but you refresh it you know you change the posters you change the way you deliver it you do a toolbox talks whatever talk whatever it is um, you, yeah put out leaflets whatever it may be um to just keep re-emphasizing the message, and we have uh, Construction Safety Week coming up on October nineteenth. So obviously, COVID will be a huge part of this. But but I, I like I empathize because uh, we have to make sure that accidents and fatalities on site are minimized as well. So you now have people who you know teamwork was a part of staying safe on site, looking out for your mates and now COVID is saying, stay away from your, mate. you know, so there's, it's, 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 it's tough on, on the, on the, on the employees, uh, workers, subbies and, and of course com- company owners as well. So, but safety week should be a good chance to, to refresh the message, get a bit of, uh, levity into the thing, get people where they can, uh, uh carry out safety activities on sites and in the content well, of so us, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But, yep. and, and it really puts a good message out to the, to the people who might be in a room sitting deciding whether we go to level four or not or whether the industry is designated essential or not to see visibly, you know, construction safety week. So usually it's a bit of a PR campaign, but this year it's really important that everybody participates. So log on again and you can do so.
0: Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of uh, other industries, we, I think we definitely have a bit of a head start because we're, we're so heavy on safety anyway, we're, we're yeah. even pre-COVID, I mean, the behavioural science element of this, the I mean, CIF had the pleasure of sitting down with Professor Pete Loon who's on the ESRI and he's a leading pioneer for behavioural science and he's also on the subcommittee with, with Nefit. what were the key findings from the CIF's engagement with Professor Loon in terms of how we are dealing with COVID
1: yeah um, surprise surprise uh, young men, not like oh. me, more like you Kira, underestimate the the severity or the likelihood of catching COVID and spreading it, you know. So uh, there's an element of invincibility within the young male psyche, you know, Peter Lund will say, and as a result, we we don't behave as safely as we should, maybe, um, which is probably no insight. But in terms of COVID, it shows that we the, the young men generally under 40 recognize how serious the the, the disease is but didn't don't recognize enough how dangerous it is to be inside how dangerous it is to be close again they see that, that they see that it's dangerous but they think they're invincible so that leads to blind spots and you know slips and all of that so um so that was one kind of key key insight and the message from them was you know, if you have to keep re-emphasizing and refocusing the message, um, uh, but generally, yeah. So he was talking about under forty males. We have one hundred and forty-seven thousand people in the industry. uh Ninety percent of them probably uh, are 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 men, and you know, ninety percent of that or eighty percent of that are probably under fifty. You know, so so it's bang on. Uh, we're we're men. We need to look after ourselves and our mates. The key insight that he found that he. Um, he pointed out as well that you'd you'd know personally from your own social interaction is you're you're probably more afraid of giving the disease than getting it as a young person you're going look I'll, i'll deal with it kind of thing or i'll take this little risk but when someone says to you well you could give it to this person or that person or if you have to get the test as someone close to me did we you know we ended up having to call everyone to say and we weren't told to do it, but you end up having to call everyone you've been in contact with, you know, to say just in case. And then they say, oh, well, you know, OK, I better not go and see my parents for a week. And you realize, you know, and it's trying to get that kind of concept across to them. Key thing, a piece of advice he had was as well, um, try and. Uh, instill the the safety message into teams, right? Because teams exert social pressure. So earlier on, I was saying it's hard for business owners or employers to tell the lads to behave in a certain way after work Uh, at home. You know, who's your man to tell me to do that kind of thing? But teams can exert a bit more pressure. uh, And it just so happens, as you mentioned already, Construction is based on safety and it's based on teams. So we, he said you have a natural advantage there. Yeah. So uh, so look, the, the, it was fascinating. He's a very interesting man as well, and it's it's uh, it's the next frontier, I suppose, and how we 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 uh, we deal with all of this. It's been a, an interesting approach. that I thought. I mean, haven't
0: had time personally to absorb Professor Leon's findings. I mean, but I you can think we can do better to combat COVID nineteen on our sites.
1: Um, it's, it's a constant, a constant battle, I think, to make sure that when, and it's, it's all the safety stuff the lads have been, you know, absorbing for, for decades, right? But it's, the it's that bias trap, you know, the minute you, the minute you absorb all the safety stuff, the minute you get good at it, is the moment you're most susceptible to, know uh bias and most susceptible to kind of relaxing so you, you don't want you don't want people on edge the whole time that can lead to different issues and you know mental health as well as you know actual performance issues but what you want is i suppose your messaging about covid which is everywhere now and there's a bit of kind of blindness about it you want it in unusual places or at unusual times um so obviously you're changing your posters, changing your messages. But if, if, uh, uh, if, if, if you could think of places where that are eye level, that when you walk onto the site or when you walk into the canteen, you know, those kind of things. So yeah. the behavioral science story that I love is the, uh, the toilets in uh, the train station in Amsterdam, you know, they were concerned about, uh, concerned about, um, uh, I would put this pol- politely. Splashback from the mail in the mail urinal, so they put a, a little fake uh, fly in the in the bowl of the toilet, and of course everyone concentrated their minds uh, onto that, and splashback was reduced by fifty percent. So you know you need you need uh, Peter Lund will say this. You need innovative ways of getting people's attention with the same message. So uh, a great idea, especially coming up to Safety Week, is outsource it to your to your employees. You'd be yep. amazed at what they come back with, but also it engages them in the process. Some of the ideas would be bizarre, some of them, but the whole thing gets them thinking about it in a different way. Um, um, so you know that 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 and anything they produce you know, send it on to us, and we'll uh, we'll promote it through uh, our channels during Safety Week. Uh, but not not the urinal one. We don't want any urinals stuff there. That's
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from a personal point of view. I mean, obviously, what, what we do is we manage costs for a lot of companies. And I remember when you guys done the back-to-work webinar, um, Tom Parland mentioned that we would face a struggle. Uh, but looking at the, the viability of projects due to the, the restrictions has there been any reports back from companies uh, with feedback on how they're dealing with affecting the, you know the profitability on their projects
1: uh, yeah yeah um, again i've been really impressed uh, as a kind of an outsider to construction as i have yeah. mentioned before you know um, really really impressed at, at how you know vigorously we we were we were told as the CIF, listen, just watch how, watch how quickly, you know, we can get back to full capacity and high productivity levels. And I was, you know, I was thinking this is going to be a major challenge. But, uh, uh, but generally, uh, most the 11, 000, 1100 sites on, on, uh, uh, in the country, you know, over certain sites are all operational again they're all pretty much, they're reporting to us, they're all pretty much, you know, at, let's say, at full capacity. So they're kind of back at operational levels that they were. Now, there are productivity issues, I'm sure, based on social distancing and so on, but the the companies have been working with their clients um, who have been good generally as well on on, on understanding the, the costs associated with these kind of productivity issues. Uh, the thing that has happened is timelines have been, exploded out a bit, which will cause, you know, cause some uh, difficulty discussions, I'm sure, later on in the uh, in the year. But because there was such a gap and such a shutdown, everyone just got back into it and started the, the process of, of work again and really kind of trying to complete, I wouldn't say there's too much new stuff going on if that makes sense, everyone's trying to complete the work that was done as quickly as possible to the timeline. So the CSO stats on the housing show that commencements, even though output this year will be higher than they thought after the COVID collapse, uh, shutdown, commencements dropped by 45% in quarter two which means that everyone's spending their time, and I'd say this is the same in other sectors, everyone's spending their time now catching up on stuff that's happened. And the real concern would be with that commencement drop, cliff, whatever, uh, when, when the completions are done this year, there'll be a lack of commencements and work in the pipeline halfway through next year, you know? And if we are looking at it from a public sector project's point of view, there's definitely been a slowdown uh, in the commencement of we'll say processes to start the projects going so again as you'd expect the clients in the public sector are looking at their own specific project and working with the contractors to get it through uh, at the same time you have the government at the high level saying we're going to continue to pump you know nine billion ten billion uh, we think it might be on budget day, uh, um maybe even eleven you know into the public sector, um, infrastructure, road, rail, et cetera, right? Uh, Social housing also. But that message there, as you can imagine, has to filter down to the public sector contracting authorities as well and employer bodies. And we see a gap there where they seem to be waiting to begin these processes whilst whilst the current work has been completed. And we are concerned that that might cause a kind of a drop-off mid next year as well. Um, and we're, that that's deeply concerning because if the international investors is all connected, of course, the international investors looking at Ireland, you know, see a drop off in housing and infrastructure, they go, you know, is it as attractive? We're already stuck with a bit of a housing problem. You know, our infrastructure is good, but it what's there is good but we need a lot more of it kind of thing Um, and you just don't want the likes of google and facebook or wherever it is especially when they're facing international you know turmoil and making tough decisions you don't want them going yeah ireland isn't looking like it's it's going to be you know dynamic in the next while so joe schmidt control the controllables invest in uh, infrastructure and housing now while money is cheap and uh, the return on investment then is huge from back in construction so uh, yeah like if it was a a the pessimist in me is worrying about that gap the optimist is saying there's still a huge demand for housing still a huge demand for infrastructure the IMF recently came out and said the way to uh, build recovery is investing in public infrastructure Uh, the NDP has been reviewed and the horizon has been expanded Uh, three ministers and the Taoiseach have said that, you know, capital investment will be maintained, you know, all the... All the um, demand stuff is very, very, very strong. So uh, all we'd say to government is and we've said it in our budget submission: is ten-year time horizon is fantastic for us to plan. But if there's a year gap before that ten-year vision starts, then a lot of companies will fall into it and never get out of it. You know, so and that that hurts the capacity. So uh, overall, overall, I'd have a, I'd have a I have to say I have a positive outlook for for the industry. Um, because I really think that the, the funding is going to, is going to come um, from the public sector or from the government particularly
0: it is nice to hear some positive news in the mix of everything being uncertain and you know talk of everything it is and uh, hopefully we, we do get that sort of good news in, in the budget because I think everyone would need that bit of a lift um, the <coughs> the CIF uh, have safety week coming up Shane, when, what dates have you got for us on, on that? Uh,
1: the 19th, Monday the 19th <clears throat> to the 23rd of October. Yeah. Um, and each day, as usual, each day of that week, we will have a specific team. And you're going to catch me out now as I rapidly <laughs> try to look it up on the site to remember which teams we have for each of the days. But I know that the Monday will be, will be dealing with mental health. Um, and we're partnering with the lighthouse charity uh, on that monday so we're going to encourage every company in the industry to make contact with the lighthouse um, uh, group who, who offers support for workers and families uh, affected by uh, issues in construction uh, then we'll have your more standard safety issues like falling from height again the stats this year um, uh, from the CSO, most of the fatalities uh, are are relating to falls from height. So that's that's a really critical thing that we we have to work on, um, particularly around the smaller uh, SME micro enterprises, sole traders. Like when I look at the stats and I read them, you know, they give a brief description of how things happened, and it's guys, you know, falling off scaffolding, you know, that they put up themselves on a renovation job. It's 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 just tragic but it's just one guy or two guys on a site like uh g- generally now uh, so so we're trying to get that message out as much as possible um there's the, obviously the mechanical uh driving kind of issues uh, one of the days um, uh, power lines would be another one and knowing where power lines are and so on the fifth one escapes me you can write in and tell me what the fifth one is um <laughs> uh, if you see if you look at the website you'll see all the all the uh, all the, the teams but also how you as a company or uh, an individual can get involved so you can just sign up as a partner take the logo put it on your website we'll promote you as being a partner of it and again we'll be uh, delivering our um, social media use that horrible verb, all uh, five videos that we've created to kind of get the message out there. So there'll be a big social media push on it. We we'll Hopefully we'll have a few messages from um, uh, different politicians and other stakeholders. And I'm sure our mutual friend, Rory O'Connor, the safety ambassador for the CIF, will, will appear at some point as well. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. If you can do anything to push it uh, with your listenership, we'd really, really appreciate it.
0: We certainly will. We we'll certainly we'll will we'll, in our notes and this uh, show notes and stuff like that. We'll we'll certainly uh, put in the links to that. I'm gonna yes. put you on, put you on the spot there and <laughs> ne- nearly caught you out. Let's see if I can deal with this one. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Probably, me, yeah. Have you got top a top maybe two or three tips for what businesses can do? Not 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 to prepare for maybe what we expect in a uh, three to four level, but maybe over the next sort of three to six months. Uh, what is there anything we can do as businesses to be in better preparation for what might come?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's uh, I suppose it's it's continue. I know this is a boring answer, but it's continue the uh, and redouble the efforts around the SOP. And you might be on a small a small job somewhere or a small site, and it's you know a couple of guys, and you're going, what is the point in you know uh, this? Kind of procedure you know this procedural SOP thing keeping people apart and we're on a tiny project like it, it all counts so like do, do your bit that's all you can do for your own business and for the industry and it, it's hu- hugely important like because the HSE uh, if uh, call one incident of COVID or two uh, they call that an outbreak and you know then the media portray it as an outbreak and it sounds like there's 50 people you know it's, it's only one incident you know um so you, you might be on a small site but you could end up being one of ten and ten might be the figure where they go right the industry isn't shouldn't be designated x so that's one of the things you can do and um, it's very hard to it's very hard to uh to give you a second one because i'm just thinking of the the wonderful brexit that we're going to face as well um so it's really it's it's good business practice it's get your get the um Get The relationships going, uh, uh, keep your eyes open to what work is coming down the line. It's, it's really get out there. It's it, it, if you if it's possible at all, build the relationships with your employees, keep the lines of communications going because they're going to be under serious pressure. Consult with us, uh, insofar as you can, you know, and the documents are putting out. I think every second or third day, we have uh, a thing called uh, all member circular. And it's uh, it's 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 literally it might be written uh, as one of our uh, subject matter experts or directors is in talking to uh, a politician. It could be we could be writing it as we're going along. It, it, the information is that kind of up to date. So keep keep your eyes uh, eyes and ears peeled on that, you know, And uh, but that's it. It's it's kind of it's kind of keep the relationships and communications going with your with your uh, with your clients um in the hope of you know work uh uh in 2021 yeah. obviously you know um working through all the supports that are there there's a whole range of supports that we kind of tend to think oh that's not for me i have a job i have a project i have x so i'm okay like like every other sector you know draws down on these draws down on these supports that are put there for us uh, for businesses for smes um so so like contact us and talk to us but educate yourself about what, what, what's, what grants there are available and yeah. um, and that they will help uh, uh, sometimes they're a little bit tricky for construction companies to apply and access but but they're generally worth a bit of paperwork uh, in the end you know.
0: Yeah I'd echo that and the message clear, clear one there is, is, is keep going because you know this can this, turn this and you know it's been a quick six months, I suppose, since it happened, and it's going to be another quick six months of the time we could actually try and get out the other side. So definitely, I suppose, I'd echo that message and just just keep going. This 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 won't it won't last forever. Um, so where, where where can people find out more about the CIF and I suppose the benefits of being a member of the CIF? Yeah,
1: the um, the so CIF. will have. Uh have all the latest info and we've made anything covid related just open to people in the industry because you know we need everyone whether you're a member or not whether you like us or don't like us we need you to, to operate off that base so that's all free um and i think if you started to engage with that you'd say okay there's a benefit here um and then you might would uh, be, be interested in the ir hr advice that we have you know and like companies don't realize this i, I won't go on too much with promoting ourselves, but but basically uh, if you have an issue, an IR issue or a HR issue, and you have to hire a barrister or a lawyer, you know how much that costs by the hour. Your CIF membership uh, is a fraction of what one engagement with, a, with, a, um, with one barrister would be. Uh, and you, uh, God forbid, you'd have lots of issues, but you can draw down on our services, whether you're paying the minimum sub or whether you're BAM or CISC or whatever it is, we we are egalitarian. We 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 deal with SMEs from all over, you know, all over the, the country on an equal basis. Um, so you had to probably get involved, talk to your peers. You can see who's a member a member of the CIF on the site, and you could maybe talk to your peer and say, well, well how do you find it, and so on. So um, yeah, a sales pitch over. Sorry, Kate. <laughs> that, now that is listen. It it it,
0: it usually is in times of trouble when you sort of need this help and you know it, it comes in handy, these so others no question uh shane you've been very very kind with your time we do appreciate it and uh, yeah thanks thanks very much
1: no oh, thank you and keep up the good work it's great to have a voice in the industry thank you